0: Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. hope you're going super well. In today's episode, I've got an interview for you. Now, this interview is a real special one. So this is Darius from Unlock Your Dyslexic Potential, um, otherwise known as the Bullet Map Academy. So what Darius has done is he's come up with a system to help retrain people. On how mind maps work for dyslexics yeah i must say like um, i've always tried to do mind maps and i've done them for work to try and brain dump but i've always struggled to make sense of them and actually use them so they actually get an outcome what's so great about what darius does is he teaches he he teaches based on the problems people have so how do you get meeting notes down um, into a format you can actually understand how do you bring structure to that massive creative mess that sometimes sits in our heads. He does a lot of this awesome stuff, even down to planning your day. And so we dig into a little bit about his story, about how he was diagnosed with dyslexia, um, and what he's done since then using mind maps. We really dig deeply into it. So please enjoy the content. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, make sure you check out the bulletmapacademy.com, which will also be listed at the end of this recording. So I'll let you dive into it. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast today. I am very lucky to be joined by Darius. Please pronounce me your last name, my friend. Nolderon. Nolderon. That's you know, that's a great last name. Um, you know, it's not not very friendly for the dyslexic world. I'm going to be honest. Uh, pronunciation is never my my skill set, but we're very lucky to have this man. He is one of the voices of dyslexia I found in the podcasting world that I I really respect. He's got a great podcast. He's doing amazing work with dyslexics around the world, especially in that young to teenage range around helping them actually get their thoughts straight, which is a problem we get a lot. And we're going to talk a bit more about that as the podcast goes on. But um, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you going over in Scotland? It's great to be here, Stephen. I love your
1: podcast. It's a privilege to be a guest. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome, mate. It's a privilege to have you. And, and you know, we, we've done a bit of, we, we've, we've done another conversation, which was fantastic. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I thought it's, it's only fair and valuable to get your thoughts to my listeners, because, you know, we deal with a lot of adults and a lot of adults who have teenagers. Um, some of them are students studying themselves. And it doesn't matter, I guess, what age you are you know, the challenge of getting these fast, quick brains and getting all that stuff out into the world, right, is always a challenge. Is that how you kind of find it? Yeah.
1: And the challenge shifts a little bit from when you're um, six to when you're 10, to when you're 14, to when you're 19, to when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s. It's each I think each stage of life that there's a particular aspect of dyslexia that can just shift and start coming into the foreground as both a challenge and an adv- uh, an advantage. You know, it's like both sides of the coin. A friend of mine said, every gift comes wrapped in a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, mate. I'm so with you. Like, I I love that because I say that a lot as well around problems. It's like, you never get rid of a problem. If you if you solve a problem, you just create new problems. Like if you're having a problem in your relationship and you're not spending enough time, you, you can solve that problem by choosing one day every week or month to go out on a date. But the minute you do that, the next problem is where do you go? Who's looking after the kids? So your problems just move. They never get they never get finished, right? Yeah. No, I love it, and and so you know, as with all, the, all our all my interviews, we uh, we're a very relaxed environment. We're going to share stuff, anything that comes to mind that you think that'll be valuable, just throw it out there. But let's bring it back to your story because I got some snippets in our last conversation, but I'd I'd love to know, you know, what's your what's your history when you when you got diagnosed? What was it like beforehand, and how did you get to where you are today? So.
1: I always kind of thought I might be dyslexic, but words never kind of jumped up and down for me, or, you know, I didn't have any of those classic kind of, oh, you words have to jump up and down and wobble and so on for you to be dyslexic. I didn't have any of that. And I actually liked reading, although I had difficulty learning how to read as a child, lots of difficulty. Um, but then I had the typical, so many, everyone, lots of people have this story. You know, teachers thought I was stupid. The head teacher actually got my parents in to say, I think he's retarded when I was about seven, six. Those are the words they used in those days. And um, my mom knew, no, he's smart. But dyslexia didn't get diagnosed until I was 35. Mm. And that's when I went to university for the second time and, you know, 21st century, you know, 2010, you know, and was it 2010 somewhere around about that 2005 and I thought, you know, universities must allow students to type essays and submit them you know, because that must be much more efficient to to mark them and all of that jazz, but no, everything's still done by hand, handed in in big piles and marked, posted out to people and marked by hand, handwriting and all the rest of it. But if you had a little bit of dyslexia, you could maybe type it out. So I thought, well, I'll go and get a test done. I might, you know, be a mildly dyslexic and be able to type, but actually... My assessor said, "Darius, no, you've got some challenges here, um, that you don't realize, and uh, you're moderately dyslexic, and it's getting in the way." So that's when I woke up to it.
0: Wow! And how did that? How did that feel at 35? You know, was that a massive kind of weight off your shoulders? Did you go into kind of like a "How did I not know about this earlier?" kind of phase? How did it? How did it? How did that time eventuate? Well, I. I'm a very pragmatic person. I,
1: well, actually, I didn't have a huge, big, oh, my goodness, you know, life-changing kind of moment because of that assessment, like many other people do have. I think I was right in the middle of doing an ex- a, a, a big degree, and I thought, you know, what it did was it switched me on to realising those things that I picked up naturally and start valuing them more. I realized, oh, I do this, and that's because I'm dyslexic. I should do more of that because it would help me. And so what it did was, I think the emotional side of it and the whole transformational kind of, wow, I'm getting to understand myself, didn't really happen until I started to see it in my daughter. But you know, 10 years prior to that, it was very much pragmatic. All right. I've just I might be being stalled by certain tech things in in my mind and with dyslexia in business and in work and in my studies that I didn't realize and so that's when I started to become a bit more intentional about listening to other people who had dyslexia like Richard Branson like Branson says I go everywhere with the notebook <clears throat> mm-hmm. wherever he went he always had a notebook and I picked up on that and I thought. I do something similar, but I don't go everywhere with it. Maybe I should try and bring a notebook everywhere. And I started to do that. And it made a big difference because all those thoughts didn't, valuable thoughts didn't just disappear because we have them, but we have to capture them.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, I think that's that's really key is is recognizing the old solutions that we've put into our lives. It's kind of like I, I remember when I I found out later on, it was kind of like my head went backwards and everything went click, 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 click into place. And it kind of made me more, you know, present to what I was doing naturally, as opposed to um, you know, you know, just kind of focusing on my weaknesses. I was like, hey, now I know why they're weaknesses. I'm just gonna focus on the things that are my strengths and that are gonna help me succeed, right? Yes, and that's when, for example, I think during my dyslexia assessment,
1: those three hours, I think my tutor during the half hour debrief at the end dropped three little seeds into my mind Mm. that have just grown into significant things in my life. And I don't think we can underestimate. It's easy to underestimate the power of dyslexia tutors and coaches and advisors in their ability to drop a few seeds that grow in fertile soil. And one of those seeds was, she said to me, Darius, you need to learn how to mind map. And I was like, well, actually, I've been mind mapping since my law degree. Uh, That's in my third degree, third, third year of my law degree after I crashed and burned. I went back to a law degree and i learned a new skill called mind mapping and she said well that's why you got the law degree that's why you ended up being a primary school teacher and could do all that that's why you could do x y and z because she she had my career history Mm -hmm. and i was like oh wow now i used to regard mind mapping as minorly irritating sometimes because I didn't really want to do it but i just wanted to think things and talk things but there's always this point where you've got to get something down and out your head and so writing it all down longhand wasn't helping me often in planning and organizing thoughts so I would revert back to mind mapping and it would eventually be the only thing that really worked. Mm -hmm. And I would get annoyed at it sometimes because I was like, bloody hell, this takes a while to do and figure out and so on. But it worked. And often like the tortoise and the hare, I got to the result faster. Um, And it was at that moment I realized how valuable it was to me because of my dyslexia. It was a hack that I picked up and I hadn't realized how useful it was. Well, I did realize it. But I then realized its increasing potential. And that's when I was doing my degree, I saw other people who had been identified with dyslexia, and they didn't know how to mind map. They were just falling left, right and center, crashing out of the degree. And I was in the middle of it writing essays, bibliographies, and all the rest of it, just managing to make it work with the maps. And I would look to my friends and I would say, "I would so much love to teach you, but it's just not the time. And so they would just burn out. And um, a lot of these were mature students
0: with jobs, careers, businesses and so on, but they just didn't have the skill. Uh, that's so interesting. Like a couple of things I pick up from that. One is is earlier on around seats. It's so true with dyslexics. You know what I've learned from coaching, I can do an hour coaching session and my goal is only ever to plant one seed because I know if I plant that one seed, their brain will grow that seed remarkably quickly and effectively. I don't know if you've seen that with like people you've taught and and you know you, you give them that one idea and you let them go. I think that's that's very well said. And secondly, that is it's really interesting around mind mapping and the way you say that because it's not something that I do a lot. I actually just started doing it I do, I do it online a little bit with work but I did my goals for next year and I started to think of your mind maps that you do and, and you're an expert at it is starting to just kind of starting to put it out and then doing the next level. My, my, my drawings look like I'm about three years old using a crayon <laughs> um, but it's uh, you know you do start to notice how it kind of works and I think you know with mind mapping you know it's interesting I, I want to ask you some questions this is where I really want to focus this interview because you know to have an expert like you on this on this podcast is like with my mapping I kind of see it as interesting to get my thoughts straight to a point but I don't always see the full outcome of it at the end of how it then translates in into the benefit of it does it make me remember things better is it more just about getting things straight like how would you put it
1: Yes so a lot of people use mind mapping just to brainstorm and get all their ideas out. And that's probably what 90% of people do in management circles and executives and so on. It's a mind dumping tool, which is fantastic for mind dumping. The only problem with that is if you've got dyslexia, mind dumping can be a very messy affair because our, our thoughts are just so random, you know, and um, that if you go straight into a map with a mind dump, I've seen this with kids and adults a lot who have got dyslexia, they, if they go straight into the mind dump and map it all out in a map, often they look at the map and it totally stresses them out because there's no order to it. It's just chaotic. So that's when we started to get kids to just write down their ideas as a bullet point list and then underline keywords and then start using the map and it starts to create structure to it because what i was finding in my time was i would end up doing a map and that would be all the randomness then i'd have to do another map that was more organized and reorganize it and i'd be converting one to the other and it would be working memory problems and so on because it's multiple pages etc And it it got there, but if you move all the randomness into a list and then go into the map, you actually push it ahead further into order. Because Tony Buzan taught mind mapping to help linear people think more creatively. Mm -hmm. But if you're dyslexic, you don't need to think more creatively. You you don't need any more ideas. You need more focus, creative focus. And so... If you use the map that way and reverse the lens by getting the randomness out the way and then organizing it, then you're one more step towards something productive. But there's a lot more to mind mapping than just that. Like when I teach kids how to do bullet map, often they'll do the bullet list on the left-hand side, then the map in the middle. And I say, don't just stop there. While While your mind's right on this, I want you to ask yourself one question. What's the next best thing I can do that will take me less than half an hour? And write that in the bottom right-hand corner as a big headline with a time on it. And Then while you're in the peak of your focus, you capture that and you've got it down because you forget. Mm. And so you've done this complete uh, cycle of going from this sort of divergent thinking, you're converging it, and then you bring it to a point, you sharpen it to a point
0: interesting so it's kind of like reverse engineering why mind maps were created right like lineal yes lineal to creative you you've gone okay what if we reverse it and go creative to structure and more lineal absolutely so if you
1: kind of think of it as you know often people create a mind map from the center out Mm. i kind of create a mind map from the outside in because I often don't know what the focus of my thought is, or the focus of some creative endeavor, or a story. And so there's this cloud of thoughts that starts to crystallize and start to come in to a focus in
0: the middle. I love that. That's so interesting, because it's, you know, that's always been my challenge of my mapping is exactly what you've said is that, you know, I can I can see it for doing a brain dump, you know, that makes sense. But then it's what do you do with that brain dump that's any different than just dumping it into a page and i I like the way you're thinking of it's actually about opposing those two things because you know as you're quite right we don't need any more creativity we've we've already got enough of that spice in the pot (laughs) we need the we need the taking all that stuff and making it usable right yeah we need to kind of learn how
1: to edit our thoughts And so really, it's an editing process, you know, like editing a movie, editing something, you know, you kind of, you know, you've got all tons of content, then you edit this out and you edit that out. And have I still got the meaning? Yes. And that's what often with children I do. So there's five things I teach kids and adults to do with the map. The first thing is I teach them how to increase their reading comprehension and do research. Second thing is how to remember what you listen to. Mm. And so they can listen and they map at the same time. And then I teach them how to write a story with a map. Because most people with dyslexia tell very long convoluted stories that that often don't have a proper ending and uh, they can leave people cold when actually they've got some great ideas, if they just knew how to bring it to a proper ending. And then the third, the fourth thing is I teach them how to remember things for tests or presentations by using a memory map. Then the fifth thing is how to plan uh, a week, a day, a project. Now, all of these are built on top. It's kind of like, if you think of, um, it's like an electric drill and a hammer. At school, your woodwork teacher has been teaching your whole class to cut bits of wood and fix them together with this hammer and a nail. Mm. And then you find that you keep hitting this nail with the hammer, and it just takes like 20 hits to go in. Someone turns up with an electric drill and goes, hey, why don't you try this? And then they drill the, the screw in because you're actually hammering in a screw. You're not using the right tool for the screw. And so we are like We've got our tool bags are full of screws and not nails, and we need a screwdriver with the right bits and attachments for it, not just a blunt hammer. And so uh, a mind map is like uh, an electric drill and you can put different attachments into it. And so the end attachments could be, you do the bullet map and then you've got the map, and then you say, what am I gonna do productively with this? I'm going to make this into a story. How do I turn it into a story? Then there's an attachment for that, like the story star. And then I want to remember this. So how do I make this memorable? So you max out on the doodles to make it more memorable. Or I want to turn this into a planning outcome and turn it into Kanban board or something like that. And so you can chunk branches down into tasks and so forth. So it all comes down to if you have an organized structured map, though, if you don't, mm. it's next to useless. Okay, you've got the information down, you've captured it. And most people's computer maps are just huge databases of mind dumps that get convoluted and more convoluted and don't actually bring any real clarity. But you know, it's all there. Mm. Um but where is the productivity? So that's the, the gap that most people have. And it basically comes down to the fact that they've had a superficial understanding of the principles of mind mapping. They just think it's a spider diagram with lines connecting them. They don't understand about the importance of one line on one branch, keywords, making keywords bigger, other words smaller, using all of these techniques to visually organize your thoughts. Like tons of little strategies in there that can continually focus your mind.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because it's those little pennies that have to drop to make it valuable. It's kind of like, I guess, if you imagine you've never seen a car before in your life ever, ever, and someone just puts you next to this car and they say, look, here's a car. Don't tell you how to drive it. You've never seen one driven before. And you go, well, that's great. I've got something to sit in when it rains you know, that's about as valuable as it's going to be, right? right. (laughs) That's about as valuable. It's literally a giant umbrella that may have a comfy seat in it. It's only when the penny drops and they teach you how to drive it and how to put petrol in it, how to do all this other stuff with it, it turns something that's just a big chunk of nothing into something that's super valuable in your life, right?
1: Have you heard my story about the dyslexic car? No, please, please share. Okay, so when my daughter got her dyslexia assessment done, um, there she was confused by it because the, teach, the, the, the coach said three things. She said, your intelligence is high, your processing speed is very low, and your working memory is low. And she thought to herself, look, how can I be intelligent and have a slow processing speed? It doesn't make sense. I don't get it, Dad. She's 20 years old. Don't get it. I want to get it, but I don't. So I went away and thought about this quite deeply and came up with this little story about a dyslexic car. So dyslexia is like the difference between a manual car and an automatic car, a manual Ferrari and an automatic Ferrari. And you get into the car, you've got a manual Ferrari, you start driving it, but you live with a teacher and in a world where most cars are automatics and only one in 10 are manuals. And your teacher tells you to take the the stick in the middle of the car, push it forward into drive, which you do, and there's a crunch, you luckily get into gear and off you go with all the other kids you get to the stop junction the teacher says everyone stop you stop your car stalls everyone's told to get going they put their foot on the gas they get going and you're stuck in the middle of a road and the teacher says there must be something wrong with your car Mm -hmm. and so dyslexia is actually more of a processing difference than an intelligence difference there's the engines, the intelligence, the gearbox is the way we process information. There's nothing deficient about a dyslexic mind. There's no disability with dyslexia. It's just a difference. The disability actually is the educational system's inability and disability to teach us how to go up the gears of a stick shift car. It's like someone gets in your car and says, hey, mate, You're a manual and you're like, what's that? And you're well, there's five gears in this car. You need to use that third extra pedal that you've got, push it in, go into first gear, push it back in, get out of first gear and push into second gear and lift up. Can you feel that? And you go, Oh my goodness, I'm no longer driving 30 miles an hour in first gear or 60 miles an hour in first gear. You learn how to get into second, third, fourth,
0: fifth, sixth. So that's the dyslexic Ferrari. I love it, mate. It's so funny. I've got to send you a video I did for rightsiders.org about two years ago, very similar. I I use the Ferrari versus Corolla, but the automatic manual, because it's so true, isn't it? It's just, they're both valuable things. They're just different ways of driving. Um, But I love your version. I love the gearbox. That's awesome because it's so true, isn't it? And you know, this is what I see time and time again is how many intelligent people are out there who have been told they're stupid but it's kind of like it's such a blanket thing to say without understanding what's under the hood you know it's just it's just a foolish it's kind of a lazy it's a real lazy phrase right stupid is so lazy it doesn't take into account so many factors yes absolutely yeah and like i think i think this is the you know it's interesting i, lo- I love what you're saying here because it's so true and with you know what what's got me thinking is I've got a really interesting book in my head that I want to write around, uh, you know, dyslexic success. But my biggest challenge, and I'll, I'll share this with you, Darius, is, is I have all these ideas and these things come to me at different times in different moments that I go, wow, that is, that is genius. And it's, but to get that into some sort of structured order that could form a book one day in the future, I really struggle with. So using your mind mapping techniques, that would be a way of helping me get my thoughts in order and structured, would you say? Yeah. How would you approach it? If, if we were going to write the next Darius, insert your last name, um, you know, book, <laughs> you know, how would you approach it from your mind mapping technique? Um, oh,
1: there's a lot to answer to that question.
0: We've only got seven hours, so you're gonna to have to really yeah. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, guys. We're, we're well, open. I was
1: just I was just listening to Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. He's a great guy. Strategic Coach is an incredibly incredible program for entrepreneurs. Um and his advice and was instead of thinking of one book, think, break it down with maybe it has one, maybe you've got one book, which is big kahuna that's got 20 chapters in it. Maybe it's actually 20 books, maybe it's 10 books. Mm. And so his advice was to make smaller books and to spend two or three months making a smaller book that makes one point. And uh, I found that very helpful for a start. And so, for example, I've just created um, an app called the Dyslexia Quiz. And it's um, on the App Store. People download it. They screen themselves with it. It's got doodles in it and so on. It's free. And if you want to go get it, go to dyslexiaquiz.com or just type dyslexia into the App Store. But the point I'm making with this is that there's 50 different questions in it. Quick questions like, do you overthink things do you overthink simple questions is your writing messy etc that you might not think are traits of dyslexia but often they are and each one of them could be a blog post each one of them could actually be a course each one of them a cluster of them could be the chapter in a book or a whole book and so I'm starting to break things down into smaller chunks in order to achieve a goal like that. So that's the first thing I would do. So there's basically five principles that I find within mind mapping that have emerged for me that directly relate to helping with dyslexia. Five principles. Number one is finding keywords by underlining keywords, not phrases, not sentences, but one word a line. Mm -hmm. one line of word, find keywords, not phrases. You can still have phrases, but keywords are your best friend. So you've got to edit out ruthlessly as much as possible. Second, convert lists into maps as much as you can or diagrams or something visual. So Mm -hmm. convert into visual. Third is try and structure everything in a story structure. And now, a story structure, a story star, has five elements in it. Have you explained the characters? Have you explained what the the main character really wants? Have you explained what the big problem is? Have you explained what the hand is that came and helped them, that um, solution or hero or guide? And then, have you explained the reward and the conclusion? Every story has all of those five in it to some degree or another and every kind of book, one way or another. So if you want to communicate, communicate in a story structure. And then number four, use doodles to think as much as possible. And then number five, which relates to what we've just been talking about, is chunk things, always chunk. So I think as much as possible is chunk things into groups of three or five. Um, So if you've got 20 things or 50 things you're thinking, the challenge is, can I chunk this into five things? you probably can. Um, so those are kind of the key principles that emerge for me.
0: That's interesting, because that's it's funny you say that, because it's got me thinking that that's one of the things we're working on is really micro courses. And funny, like overthinking is a key one, the emotional roller coaster, um, getting a true understanding of time, which is a big one for dyslexia, and kind of chunking those into very short, one hour courses, which are a short four to seven minute videos so really tight keep a dyslexics attention with real hands-on kinesthetic things to kind of pull something together that once once I've got six to 12 of these together that forms potentially a book or even in groupings and smaller groups yeah. uh, little sub books because you're, you're quite right is the other the other catch 22 is making sure there is that lucid story through is that the right word? Lucid, a, a, a common thread, shall we say, among it, yeah. because the storybooks, like, have you ever read The Richest Man in Babylon? Has that one ever come up?
1: Yeah,
0: amazing book. It's this whole story, right? It's a beautiful yeah. story to get across a, a lesson.
1: Yes, yes, and it's kind and, of like and I would say the 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 one thing I would say actually from a tech point of view, I'm loving my iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, capturing all your ideas is the key thing. You know, you've got to write down all your ideas and get them out your head, capture them. They're too valuable to let them fly out your your other ear uh, and just assume you're going to remember it. You're not, you know, you've got to write them down. And then once you've written them down, underline key ideas and start making friends with some key words and let those key words keep repeating and resonating and stick things stick together with key words not phrases or sentences or paragraphs but key words and once you start sort of magnetizing those key words then other key ideas connect to them and then you get you start really thinking
0: about core concepts interesting and you know if you were to give an example from a child or from a teenager around key words and put that into, as you like to say, story, is there anyone that comes to mind that would give the listeners an example of what you mean by keywords? So it's always the hardest thing is to think of one on the spot, right? (laughs) Gotcha. Well, I mean, the best example
1: is, you know, one example is like, you know, when you're Googling something, you know, Often it all comes down to are you asking the right question? Are you using the right keywords? You know that experience when you've got a thing in your hand, like a spare part or something like that, and you're like, how on earth do I find this on Google? You know? And so you start going onto Google and you say, plastic thing that connects to a mm-hmm. toilet. Cistern, you know, mm-hmm. and and you go through images and you start finding images and then you find one image that's kind of like it and you look at that and then there's often a key word in there and you think, oh, it's 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 a it's a ballcock valve. Okay, I'll go and search ballcock valve and boom, unlocks a whole area of knowledge and that's what you're trying to do with mind mapping and that's what you're trying to do with learning is to constantly capture the gold in key words and use them as handholds that open up new doorways to new information that's relevant.
0: Mm, that's very well. Does that spent. answer your question? Yeah, no, that, that's a very good example. And I love the way you talk in stories. So I'm the same, you know, and it's a good thing for everyone to listen who's listening, using metaphors and similes and stories when you're communicating will always put you in a good stead in any part of life, because other dyslexics, and neurotypicals can all grasp stories so well, right? There's yes. So important. Yes,
1: but you've got to be kind of careful, though, um, <laughs> because your metaphor has got to be quite accurate because a lot of linear thinkers won't get some of the more um, obscure metaphors <laughs> that we can come up with. Um, and, and one of the most useful phrases... To keep using is by is to say it's like Mm. and so you just train yourself to say well it's like and then the idea comes to you so you've got to kind of keep training yourself it's like this it's like that
0: yeah and if you you know the other secret is saying it really confidently if you sound more confident than the person you're speaking to they're 99 percent more likely to accept it as as true <laughs> we're all well too we've got too much information running through our heads every day you've got to be you know if you're confident people just go well he's confident i'll give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> that's what i <I've> found <laughs> well, i love it mate you, this is awesome this is a great chat and like i guess just to keep the the time on this for, for our lovely listeners you know, if you were to, you know, we'll, we'll tell everyone a little bit about what Darius does and how you can get in touch with him. But is there something like if you could tell, especially adults or parents, you know, about kids with dyslexia of how to really help them? What what would you kind of say to that person?
1: Yeah, well, we help a lot of adults at Bullet Map Academy. Um understand their child, and in doing so, understand themselves. Um, and many, actually many doctors, who, you know, often doctors have real difficulty with dyslexia. They get to the top of their profession, and then they hit a ceiling, and they start seeing the effects of dyslexia. So there's, there's a few things. First of all, if you're a professional with dyslexia, and you don't realize you've got dyslexia, there will always come a point where you hit a wall and you realize dyslexia is really getting in your way. And it normally focuses around a procedure in your business that you are doing on the fly and improvising and re-improvising all the time, and it's driving everyone else around you completely nuts because it it results in two things. One, people think you don't care because you keep shifting it around and doing it wrong and stuff like that. And it's often a low level thing, procedural thing, taking notes as a dentist, as a doctor, or I don't know, something procedural like that. And people read into that, that you're unprofessional. And therefore the higher order things you must not be doing right as well, which is quite the contrary. You're wired to do the higher order things so much better. But they can't often see the higher order things, so they judge you on the smaller things. So that's a big thing with people with dyslexia, and that translates down to children. Often often, teachers judge children on, you know, did they remember this? Did they do this? Did they tie their shoelaces? Did they, you know... Um, write that essay out that they were just talking about quickly that would take 10 minutes to do. No, they didn't. Therefore, it must show a lack of character Mm. or poor attitude. And so you're extrapolating these lower level tasks and assuming it's showing bad character. And both things happen for children and professionals as well.
0: Interesting. Now, that's such a good point. And it's it's so true. It is those little things, and I, I just as a story to finish. Like I always remember my team. I've got a team of staff in the Philippines, and you know, one of them, one of them started to get me. Every time we found a new piece of technology, I would say, "Oh, let's give this a try." Send them an email and say, "Let's dive into it." And they learned after a while if they just ignored my emails, I'd forget about it, and we'd just carry on with business as usual so they actually learned the only way to get around my dyslexic overthinking try something new mode was just to ignore me until i forgot about it you know what i mean and that was something they looked at and went, he's lost his mind but they worked out how to how to factor that into their day and probably helped the business a lot because gosh knows what what we'd be using now (laughs) it's always funny but no that's fantastic thank you so much for being on the podcast where can people find more about the bullet map academy and what you're doing, mate, because it's so valuable. You can find out more about
1: uh, at bulletmapacademy.com. Go there. You'll hear see our training courses there. We've got podcasts, obviously, as well, Dyslexia Explored, um, where we go into depth with parents and so on. Um, YouTube videos, but a lot on Facebook. Um, Bullet Map Studio on Facebook, because we used to be called our parent company is Bullet Map Studio. So check out Bullet Map on Facebook as well.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. We'll wrap it up. Hope everyone's enjoyed it. Make sure you check it out. We'll put it in the show notes, a link to Bullet Map Academy or Studio, or we'll make it easy to click a button. And uh, make sure you check out uh, this beautiful man's amazing work. Thank you for being on the pod.
1: Thank you, Stephen. It's been great to be here.